Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, I want to take a minute and pause and just welcome you into the Kelly family. And I want you to know that this whole podcast exists for you. Use it as a resource. So if you're a manager, you know, who's wrestling uh, with some very tough leadership decisions, be it cultural, be it procedural, be it whatever, fill in the blank on the issue you're wrestling with, or you know of an individual, maybe you, it's, it's your boss, maybe it's a mentor, someone that's been really influential in your life. And they, you think they would make a great guest for our show. We would love to hear from you. Send us an email to ROIPod. That's the best way to get a hold of us. It's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Again, R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. Well, if you're joining us for the first time, we are in the middle of a three-part series. You all have asked for it. Uh, you know, these series have seemed to be uh, very popular with our audience. And so we just want to thank you for letting us know, and we are trying to deliver. So this is a three-part series uh, that's stemming from something really cool. It's a it's a new program here from the Kelly School of Business, uh, going to be put out through the edX program online. It's called Exceptional New Managers Toolkit. So this we're just giving a preview and sitting down with some of the lecturers um, who are delivering this content. And so uh, if this is if this is your first time, it would be helpful to go back and it would be helpful for you to listen to part one. Part one's to all about taking charge with care. It's dealing with how do we get this thing started? How do we enter into a management role uh, with the right mindset? How do we get ourselves set up at the baseline? Um, baseline? And so go back and listen to that one because this week we are building upon what we did last week and we are talking under the topic, dealing with the daily drama. What does the daily drama look like of being in a managerial role? What is the daily drama of having to deal with employees, having to deal with customers, having to deal with just those, what we are perceive as just little annoyances that keep us away from getting our job done as managers, so we feel. So today, I am honored to be joined by Tim Baldwin and Tatiana Kolovu, two of the instructors for this course Welcome back to the ROI podcast. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you, Matt. Delighted to be here and appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit about a course we're really excited about. And just to reiterate a little bit, we started with the, uh, the, the title of Taking Charge with Care and the premise is that how you start really matters. It has a great deal to do with how you ultimately succeed. And then we kick into a title that I love called Dealing with the Daily Drama. And I love it because it comes directly from one of our co-instructors, uh, Brenda Bailey Hughes, whose son recently took a job as a manager. And she would ask him about it and say, you know, what's the, uh, what does it feel like being a manager? And he just feels like, you know, it's just so much daily drama. And we wanted to embrace that, not, not reject that. That's very colloquial, but that's exactly how managers feel. And, and that's what we wanted to, to produce a course directly targeted to the lens of people at the front of managers, not from a professor standpoint or an academic, but what it feels like to be actually in that role. And so our charge here then is to sort of think about, well, what are, if you will, sort of the categories or buckets 
moments of drama. From where does that drama come? And so we really organized the course in that way, focusing a little bit on meetings and the challenges of, of meetings, both in a group and, and one-on-one. We talk a little bit about the importance of customers and how often sort of customer issues are the source of dramas. We talk about performance evaluation, where uh, they, uh, the uh, evaluating people and how they're doing, dealing with your high performers and t- uh, too often some of your uh, your lower performers or challenges in the organization. And then we we end with a section uh, on uh, team effectiveness of really trying to do this together and collaboratively in some of the drama that emerges from that. So I think it's a very authentic and realistic uh, perspective and uh, we're excited to, to get the course out there. You know, and I, and I do love that title because I think so many times just when we get into our quote unquote careers, you know, we graduate college or we graduate high school. We, we know we're, we're far beyond the McDonald's job we had when we were, you know, 16, we're, we're past those entry level positions in retail, you know, and how many times do you hear someone say, can I see your manager? You know, and, and, you know, I think for so many, there's, there's this, maybe we make this block out that, oh, well, that only happens in Taco Bell. That only happens at Starbucks. That only happens at fill in the blank clothing store is, can I see the manager yet? Where I think so many managers at times get overwhelmed by the fact that no, you get those same questions, whether it's your employee asking to see the manager, whether it's your customer asking to see the manager. And it's kind of those same things carried too, maybe in a more sophisticated way. So dive, let's dive into some of the, the pillars of this course. You know, there, there's four of them. Um, and, and Tatiana, I want to kick it over to, you You know, kind of how did this one dealing with the daily drama, what are we, what are we going to be really getting into in these first couple parts? So initially, Matt, we wanted to focus on the drama that's created, or I would say the, the loath that's created by the meeting time that uh, takes up so much of the days of the managers, but also of employees. So we wanted to create a situation where we gave some tools to managers to run one-on-one meetings and for them to know what effective meetings could be and give them some tools and some systems to follow. And then thinking of the team meetings, how do you make them productive? How do you make them efficient? How do you help people not hate them? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're probably glad to be skipping a meeting, not attending it at this point. So uh, we just want to close that gap because if you're a manager that cannot run an effective meeting, I don't care with one or a hundred, your brand decreases instantly. You run a bad meeting, no one wants to come back to another meeting with you. So if you can right off the bat run and and be efficient with your meetings and effective, there will be less drama, not just for your employees, but for you, including you. Um, so that's the first part as we get started. When you mentioned everyone wants to see the manager when there's issues, that usually relates to customer service. And when we talk about service in this course, we talk very much about it's not only your external customers, you need to think of your employees as your internal customers. So you as the manager have to offer outstanding service to the people that you work with so that then they can offer outstanding service to the people that they serve. So we make that distinction between the two and then we talk and we spend a lot of time talking about service values. How do you show them? How do you live them? What are the behaviors? And then we give a system or I would say we give a formula of reliability and assurance and tangibles around service, empathy, and responsiveness that allows you to offer good customer service. Um, those, are, those are the two ways that we get started uh, in the course. 
Yeah, I would echo one of my favorite uh, adages uh, to new managers is to treat your employees like customers mm-hmm. and your customers like employees. Mm-hmm. And so that customer service extends very broadly as a manager mindset. But uh, and then kicking into the, to the, the next two or the, uh, sections of, of this particular course is, uh, is a section on performance evaluation. And much as Tatiana referenced with respect to meetings, it is a sad reality that we almost all hate performance evaluation. And like part meetings. of oh, the, the <laughs> We don't like being evaluated and we don't like evaluating, you know, that people say that folks would prefer to go to the dentist than to give a performance evaluation. And that's unfortunate. And one of the the key elements of the course is to try to change that mindset to say that we do hate performance evaluation, but we shouldn't. In fact, wouldn't it be great if we could be an architect of a culture that grew to love performance evaluation? And that requires a couple of things. One is we've got to shift our focus from thinking of performance evaluation solely as for promotion or pay or what we might call administrative or procedural reasons and shift it to an opportunity for feedback and an opportunity for development and growth. The reality is is that the high performers are desperate to know how they're doing. They want to get better. The great coaches are ones that make you better and, and, and notice what you're doing well. So let's move away from a disciplinary and kind of a, just a, a solely evaluative mode and think of a growth or opportunity to be a place where if you come there, you get better and you enjoy that. And it, it's an environment of, of celebration and, and, and growth, uh, if you will. And so I think that's a big piece. The second piece, though, is to give you some tools to be able to give constructive feedback both positive certainly, but also, you know, uh, negative and developmental. The reality, the daily drama is not you have all stars. The daily drama comes from you have people that aren't performing well. That's just the reality. You could wash, you could try to, you know, um, uh, uh, push that under the rug, but then it wouldn't be an authentic treatment of the daily drama is that if you ask managers, I've got people that are really a challenge. We try to avoid pejorative terms like low performers or slackers, or, but that's the language that, that is, is used. And so we try to really help people that how do you give feedback in a way that may do a productive outcome, get you a productive outcome, as opposed to make people defensive or turn it off or feel like they're unfairly treated. And that's a, that's a big part of what we try to do in that is to change your mindset. Let's try to, to learn to love, be a lover, not a hater of performance evaluation, if you will, and then have some actual tools to do it. And then we conclude the course with, with a real attempt to get at team effectiveness. And um, uh, we like to focus on the teams that work and teams that don't. And it's another case where too often it's teams that don't. Some of the most popular writing on teams are the dysfunctions of teams and where they go wrong, much like meetings. But the reality is, is that teams outperform individuals in so many circumstances. And so being able to be the captain or architect of effective teams is really key. We know a lot about what goes into effective teams. Uh, It's just a matter of trying to get there and how you do that in management context. So I think put together, we sort of cut across the domains of where that drama occurs. You know, you, you brought up an interesting point that I want to camp out on a bit, you know, because one of the things about this show is we believe an organization is only as good as the people that run them. That's one of our philosophies. And we also believe that in order for an organization to change or to um, be changed, it starts at an individual level. It starts within, you know, a manager or a leader or someone that says, you know, I see something, I have a great vision. I have to first make these changes within myself so then I can lead others and be an example for others. And one thing I think you said that's really interesting and I want to unpack is this idea of 
seeing your customers as employees and seeing your employees as customers, it's a huge paradigm shift. And I'm just curious, you know, what, let's talk about that. What do you mean by, you know, shifting that? So what, what does, what does it look like to see your employees as your customers and to see your customers as employees? I'll talk on the first one for sure. I mean, think about it. You can't, when you're offering a service, if you're offering a product that someone makes, you sell that product. For for many of our listeners, I'm sure that what they offer is a service. So you cannot replicate yourself and offer the service for everyone. If it's a restaurant, an accounting office, a bookstore, the people that work for you represent your brand and your product. So if you don't respond to them right away, meet their needs, be on the same wavelength with them, find out what they're interested in and respond, see them as your primary customer, you will not be able to reach your secondary customer. And having that mindset is really, really important. Um, I'll give you an example. I I run a a small fitness studio in Bloomington. We have 10 staff. I am on constant text, phone, Slack, with everything and anything they may need. If I am there for them to answer a question or meet a need, I know that then they'll be available and they'll believe in what we do and be able to offer that to the customers. On training your customers as your staff, I also think that's true from the standpoint is you have to train people in a certain way. These are the procedures. When you walk into the door, this is kind of how we operate or we want you to sign in or we want you to wear a mask. In our case, we want you to be vaccinated and show us your card. Uh, We want you to perceive this or expect this and we'll communicate in a certain way. I do think if you have enough systems in place and if you communicate accurately, your customers in a way become part of your force and they become part of the group that speaks your brand to others that gets into a little bit of a marketing and advertising. But when they follow you and they believe in what you're doing, they become part of your brand and treating them as your loyal employees is one way to do it. Absolutely agree with that. I would layer on that our marketing colleagues are always quick and understandably to say the customer is king. In a hospital environment, the patient is king. In an educational environment, we got to focus on students. And that is a very popular, very um, uh, well-received external message. The reality internally is it does come with a, with a, with a, a flip side of that coin. And so when you, you as a leader or manager say that our only and primary emphasis is the customer, customer. what about your employees? And the research is very clear on the virtuous cycle. The only place you develop high employee, customer satisfaction is via high employee satisfaction. satisfaction. It's very hard yeah. to get high customer satisfaction from employees that feel exploited and the like. It's the same in a hospital. The patient is king. Well, we've seen with COVID, if you don't pay attention to those healthcare providers, you're certainly not going to get patient satisfaction if you don't have nurse and 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 doctor satisfaction same you know in education where the teachers you know it's not just about the students it is about the instructors and the, the support folks there i would also add to your earlier point about the importance is that one of the adages that's true that's a bit of a, 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 a we're trying to counter a little bit uh and that is is that it is real that we tend to say parent the way we were parented coach the way we were coached manage the way we were managed for better or worse that tends to be true. The, re- the unfortunate reality is that the, as we have mentioned in our earlier podcast, the evaluations of managerial performance aren't very high in, in the actual practice. And so the, 
fact that we're modeling what went before. And so part of what we're trying to do with this mindset shift to think about, well, think about your employees as customers. Many traditional managers didn't think that way. And so part of the goal of a program like this is to really start to get you thinking in different ways, not just the way you were managed, but what might be the most effective way in today's context. Yeah, we, we want you to reset for sure yeah. and think of it because think, what if you grew up in too much drama, you're going to create it for yourself as well. So reset. So I want to, I wanted to start diving in, you know, specifically to, to your course, you know, I like if we're kind of looking at it from like the next step up, obviously once we work as within ourselves, within a leader, start making these mindset changes, making sure we, we see and have this right perceptions of um, how we deal with our customers and our employees, you know, let's talk about, okay, the next layer up our our most core team, the people we deal with on the daily as managers. You know, I know Tim Years deals with performance evaluation. So as a, as a leader, you know, we kind of alluded to this last week um, where we talked about a lot of these forms, they are just forms that have been done and recirculated kind of through a company. Maybe there's merit to it. Maybe it's just done because it's always been done. Let's talk about it from a team perspective. You know, how is a manager how are we looking and supposed to look at, you know, our own team? How do we measure success? How do we set expectations? How, what are some of those things that your course dives into that we can start to unpack? Love the question. And, and I appreciate it because I think it's an opportunity to not just talk specifically about this particular course section, but what we're trying to do in the course as a whole. And that is to get away from sterile readings and uh, conceptual learning, just learning principles and actually make decisions. So for example, in our performance evaluation section. What we do is provide you with an existing, one of your exercises in the course is to provide you with an existing performance evaluation system, form, or so on, and critique it. This is what goes on. It's not very good, okay, but it's very common. It's taken right from an organization that we know that uses it and is really quite satisfied with it. It's not very effective. So you're asked to decide and, and, and use your own instincts. And then we give you a rubric to say, how might you create a better, more growth-oriented, developmental or, uh, uh, climate in your organization of the sort we discussed in a different kind of way. So it isn't just sort of a read and regurgitate. It's practice or engage. You have an exercise where you watch a manager on video give a very effective uh, a piece of feedback and a very ineffective piece of feedback. Then we ask you to unpack that. Mm -hmm. So it's not just tell us the rules, watch it. What do you think? Is one of those more likely to create defensiveness to the like? What would they do? And then what would they do differently? And then you get to watch a more effective version. So it's very much an attempt to be action learning in the truest sense, to be hands-on and observe, not just sterile principles that tend to dominate instruction in this context. And hence the, the word toolkit. We want the tools to be learning tools that you're learning through, and also you leave this course with a way to do it, where you print out a, a checklist, a handout, a, a form, all each and every one of our courses in this whole program does have tools. And that's what we wanted it to be very hands-on. When you talk about performance, what are some of the common mistakes managers just jump into when it comes to dealing with their team, performance evaluations within their team? You know, what are some of the sticking spots that are just not working? Well, in performance evaluation in particular, there are, there's a tendency to want to compare. And relative comparisons can be very destructive in a, in a uh, 
in evaluative context. You know, Matt, you're doing fine, but you're not as good as Tatiana. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wince when I hear that. Or on the positive side, one of the things that, that is a little bit, I think, uh, different in, in that particular state, we talk about managing stars. It's not just negative or It's what do you do with stars? And what stars don't like is nonspecific feedback. Matt, you're doing a great job. I wish I had 10 more like you. That isn't at all satisfying to them. You're doing wonderful. They want specific. What are they doing? And they actively want, how do I get better? No good athlete wants the coach to tell them you're great and then get cut from the team. You know, tell me what I don't do well and help me get there and coach me there. So oftentimes it just stops also at the evaluation. No, you can't just stop at, you know, what you're doing well or what you're struggling. It's got to be what's the next step? What are we going to do to help support and coach and get you better? Same kind of thing with teams. A lot of the problem uh, with, with, with teamwork is nonspecific objectives. We have a lot of activity, but no outcomes. We don't. We have rules. We do an elaborate charter of the team, and we're all going to do all these great things, be prepared, be on time, come prepared, have it, and then we don't enforce it. And then we've got folks that are dramatically different levels of contribution. So there's no, no shortage of places where we go uh, wrong. The challenge, and that's really where we focus on the course, is to provide the tools to make it better, not just to acknowledge where it goes wrong. It goes wrong often. The question is, is what might you do to help both prevent and then act on more effective strategies? And before we dive into the customer side, you know, one thing I want I to, I think that's a great example. When you have a performance review, how many times have we thought of, you did great. I have no feedback for you or, you know, you aren't as good as this. I mean, I'm sure at some point in our careers as no matter where we are, we've had some conversations and it kind of makes us cringe or, you know, you, it gets a shiver up your spine. You're like, Oh yeah, just those aren't effective. What does, you know, what's an example of what does an effective performance evaluation look like when you're dealing from, from a manager's perspective and in, in reaching out, you kind of alluded to some of the principles, but walk us through, what does it look like? How can a manager, um, a brand new manager, walk up and, and say, you know, you're doing this, here's some feedback, or you're not doing this, here's some feedback. Well, without being too trite, I'll just give you a simple phrase, okay? If you're looking for a working mantra, it's you want to be more an observer and coach than evaluator and judge. Observer and coach and a, rather than evaluator and judge. That's kind of a nice, cute way to say it, but it's true, is that what irritates you oftentimes as a evaluatee, someone that's being evaluated, is that you're judging me when you don't know. You have not observed what I've done. You use absolutes. I always do this. I'm forever doing this. I'm not. You compare me. You use nonspecific things. You say I don't have, you know, the motivation or the initiative or something and no place to go with it. So it's that I'm evaluating you without a lot of information and I'm judging you. A much better strategy would be I've observed you doing these things. Here's my sort of observation and here's how I think you might grow, but also here's how I recognize how wonderful you're doing. Catching people doing things right and noticing is also really key too. So I think I think that's kind of the heart of and, the distinction. And on the observation you talked about, maybe bringing them in as well. Absolutely. What are your, you know, what what are you noticing? What has changed for you? What's the context? Because if it's just one way, I don't think there's a partnership there and, and maybe a dedication and wanting to be better in an evaluation that's important. That goes back to sort of creating the relationships we talk about in the first course and invent in, investing in those relationships. Yeah, it would be consistent with treating those employees as customers. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the way you would treat a customer, you know, as, a, as a, a respected colleague. Do the same with those that you're evaluating. 
And speaking of customers, you know, I want to start, I mean, that's a whole other track. I mean, how many people, especially listen to here, maybe, you know, have all the qualities of being a great manager, yet they refuse to take the position because of what they've seen that, well, I won't be able to do my job because all I'm going to be doing is I'm just going to be the one giant complaint department for my customers. It's like, you know, they see that they don't want to step into that role because, all that role is, is dealing with customer complaints and customer this, and it's totally pulled away from what they just love doing from the job in the first place, yeah. you know? So, so talk about, um, you know, your track the, through the customer service, you know, what are some of the pillars and takeaways and how do managers like rethink what it, what customer service is and even the role of managers? Well, we talk a lot about setting things up from a service values. Let's discuss what our values are. What do we want to create with every interaction and what's our product that we offer the manager in a department should not be the one taking all the complaints if people are trained and are given the uh, ability to to make those decisions on the spot, to uh, have the support from the manager, to act like managers. So that way, not everyone has to go to the manager each time. But that takes time, and, and it takes uh, systems in place to create that. So the manager many times should... Take a step away from the daily drama or start collect collecting some data. What's happening more often? What are we seeing all the time? Is there something we need to change? And maybe we take care of that. We take away the drama. Something is not working. So you constantly have to be on the spot and responsive. I think the, the, the number one thing with customer service is that responsiveness. When you show, I mean, I'm looking at Tim, we teach every semester in my classes. I always say, what's working? What's not? What can I do differently or better? What should I stop doing? But then I may not have a chance to change things that are out of my control, but in a way I will try to show them that I'm making an effort. The same with customer service. If you're showing your customers that, especially if you're a small startup or a new business, that you are involved and you are inspired in making some of those improvements that will help tremendously. We talk a lot about understanding your internal and external customer. And by the way, it's not just the employees that work with you and the external customer. We consider suppliers or vendors or the community or members of the community that may not use your service but know about them in a way there are a secondary audience and your customers in some, in some cases. We talk a lot about being reliable and offering what it is that you say you offer so if a dish on a menu says that it has these ingredients or it looks like this in the picture, that it should, and if it's not, then that should be communicated, any type of service, that, uh, that there's accuracy in much of the research that we did with uh, uh, anywhere from the banking system to, again, the frontline system in a coffee shop. You pick up your coffee in the morning, you don't want it to be something completely different or something that you didn't order. So that assurance and accuracy is important. Paying attention to details of what verbals and nonverbals or things around you, the tangibles say about your level of care and service and really responding with a lot of empathy is really a big part of customer service in your interaction. Finally, really that responsiveness of that quickness in which you 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 respond is important people really have very short attention spans anymore and i must say thank you for responding is one thing that they always say when i respond to messages on on social media or on our email that's always something that 
they know that there's a person behind the service. So as a manager, if you really pay attention to those five pillars and we discuss them in the course, I think you will be really on the on the cutting edge. You know, I think you spoke to something that's really important, just that whole empowerment piece. You know, I mean, as one who owns your own business, you have people on your staff. I think that's so critical is, you know, being able to create barriers of that, that address complaints before they come in, oh, yeah. you know, and, and one thing that I think it, when people view management as is, oh, I perceive it as nothing but the giant complaint department. That's the beauty of it is when you get into a management role, you get to be empowered to change it as you want and set it, have a little more buy-in to be able to kind of bring about more change, you know? And so one of those things, you know, as managers get into it and kind of see that opportunity, how do you at, at your fitness firm, mm-hmm. you know, how do you empower your employees um, to deal with customers in a way where they feel empowered that, okay, I can address this and it frees you up from having to deal the Absolutely. minute things day to day. Well, many of the time, many times I'm not there when they're providing the service. I, I'm not even in the building. So it's so important that they have ownership of what they do and they can respond. I can provide the behind the scenes. Uh, Someone may say, we said that we're checking vaccination cards and this person doesn't have it. Let me double check that they got the email. So you feel empowered to do the work that you are expected to do when you're there. Or God forbid, someone has an injury or something happens, making sure that everyone is trained, everyone knows where supplies are or there are signs everywhere that we call for help when we need it. That makes our employees feel supported and feel that they can be relieved to offer the service that they need to offer. And then stepping in when it is that we need to or when something is or the ask is is, uh, something that's beyond something that they could be able to respond to, definitely we would step in. I do want everyone that works for us to have that ownership to be able to respond. And honestly, I couldn't do it any other way. I can't be there all the time. You know, as we begin to wrap up, it's hard to believe 30 minutes flies by, you know, just like that. And uh, for those that are want to know more, definitely check out the edX um, series. It's called the Exceptional New Managers Toolkit. Um, and, you know, we're just doing a, a simple dive. If you want more, definitely go there. Let's let's get, how do we take this? How do we take, you know, dealing with the daily drama and what we've learned today, and how do we begin to transition into next week where we cover finding the personal joy in management? You know, what can we do to begin to think about, all right, I'm taking this, and we're going to find that personal joy, that satisfaction we're desiring. How does this start to build to next week? I think that's a wonderful segue, Matt. And uh, one thing that you said, I think, that was part of the genesis of the course was this concern that people maybe prefer to be individual contributors Mm -hmm. rather than managers, particularly very talented people that we would want. And I I think there's something of a crisis in our country about people not wanting to take top political positions or not wanting to take management positions because they're so demanding. And you might think from a, a, a title like The Daily Drama that this is just fending off the drama and whatnot. But I've been watching the uh, the basketball tournament, the Final Four tournament, and I watch when the team wins and they celebrate at midcourt. And everybody, the cheerleaders are diving in, the, the, the managers are diving in, the players, the coaches, everybody. And how different that is from winning a singles tennis match. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. clearly management is not for everyone. But we also want to be a very strong voice for that, that accomplishing 
what you're trying to do in those environments is incredibly satisfying. Having a highly satisfied customer group doing effective performance, watching people grow, boy, if you're inclined that way, this is a dynamite career and a place to be. We don't want it to be just make the problems go away. It's be part of something that's really satisfying. And so we we titled our, our third course the personal joy to say almost like the joy of cooking or the you know uh, uh, joy of mechanics or the joy you know that it's the joy of management. And because we want people to understand that that's there. It isn't just, you know, a, a litany of problems and nightmares. It's about the satisfaction of doing something collectively. And how might you help orchestrate that in, in, in your particular role? So we're really excited about that piece as well. I love the word orchestrate so much. You're the maestro and all the instruments have to play in sync, but you have to create the environment where that can happen. Absolutely. Again, Tim Baldwin, Tatiana Kolovu, two instructors for the exceptional new manager's toolkit. If be sure to check that out if you're interested to taking a deep dive over at um, edX um, and or email the show to we give you uh, some more information. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indian University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better decisions. We'll see you next week as we conclude our three-part series.